Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 5, if you're there, say amen. We'll just read two quick verses of scripture in your hearing. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. You ever wondered why we stand for the reading of the word of God? If you read the verse above that, now verse 5 said he was above all the people. That doesn't mean that he was above all the people. It means he was literally above all the people. It said he built a platform of wood. And he opened up the word of God. And when he opened up the word of God, all the people stood to their feet. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Let's try that again. And all the people answered. Amen. Amen. With the lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to do my best to preach to you and to encourage somebody in this place, but I just want to preach for the next few minutes. Let the church say amen. amen. Come on, let the church say amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Praise God. Lexi, it's good to have you here. So glad that you're here. Amen. That sweet baby, I'm telling you, I sat in the office today. And I was surrounded by precious children, and I thank the Lord for that. Um, all I could say to Cameron is it's a good thing he married a pretty wife because you got a good-looking boy. You were the only hope that baby had, Lexi. Amen. Thank you for coming and sharing him with us this weekend. Amen. Ezra stood before the people, and when he opened up the Word of God, the people stood to their feet. I'm thankful, I know this may seem insignificant to some people, but I'm thankful to be in a church that stands for the reading of the Word of God. Amen. Why is that, you say, Pastor? Well, because there is no power on the earth like the power of the Word of God. Everything that's contained in this book is where we live and move and have our being. It is power, it is life, it is health, it is fat to our bones and when I read this word, I'm not just reading some novel. I'm not just reading some book that we pulled off a shelf. And despite what the world would want you to believe, it is still the most popular and number one greatest selling book of all time. I know people say that folks don't want the word of God, but I, I want to tell you they're still selling like hotcakes off the bookshelf. The word of God is still powerful and it's still alive. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself tonight, but I do want to mention at the beginning of this, because I want to be sure it gets settled in your spirit, that the Word of God, when I was growing up, I used to hear preachers say it all the time. They would say that the Word of God is forever settled in heaven and in earth. And I would rejoice with that, but I do want to tell you that it's not a fact. The Word of God is not settled in the earth. The Word of God is settled in heaven. The Word of God is established in heaven, but the Word of God is not settled in the earth. It's not settled until I say amen to the Word. 
The word of God is powerful. But without my amen to the word of God, the word means nothing to me. If I don't come into agreement with the word of God, it's just pages and words on pages. But when the word of God comes alive and it gets down in my soul on a Sunday night, there's something that happens when the word is preached and the atmosphere changes and somebody raises their voice and shouts amen. That means I'm coming into agreement with what the preacher is saying let the church say a man has been called the best known word in human speech the word is directly related in fact almost identical to the Hebrew word believe everybody say amen you just spoke Hebrew you like that you guys are fluent you're amazing It is the Hebrew word for believe, amen. It means faithful. Thus it came to mean sure and truly. An expression of absolute trust and confidence. When somebody believes in God, he will indicate his faith by saying amen to God. When God makes a promise to his people, the believer's response A man is basically saying, so be it. When I lay claim to the promise of God by saying, amen, I am releasing the promise of God in my life. Now, I know there's some people that don't get it. And they really don't understand why we do what we do. But there is a power in a simple amen. When I come into agreement. Now, folks, you you may not believe what I'm about to tell you. But there's a lot of people in this room even tonight that would more easily give an amen to the enemy than they would to God. Because sometimes my amen is not just verbal. It's what I bring myself into agreement with. And when I acquiesce to every wind of depression and doubt and confusion that speaks in my life I am saying amen to the devil's plans when I listen to every word he speaks in my ear that I'm going to fail and it's over and God can't finish what he started and that God has lost all power and I bring myself into agreement with that I'm telling the devil amen to what you're saying but when the devil starts talking and I tell the devil you are a liar and the truth is not in you I'm bringing myself into alignment with what God says about it I've come on this Sunday night to ask who shall believe the report of the Lord When you walk in and the doctor gives you a report you don't like. When you leave the lawyer's office and they've given you a report that you don't like. You have one of two options. You can come into agreement with what they say. Or you can believe God that there is another day that's coming. Come on, when the night's been dark and the night's been long. You can come into agreement with because this is the way it's been. This is the way it's going to be. Or you can come into alignment an agreement that weeping may endure for the night but joy come on somebody shout amen I said joy comes in the morning I wish somebody in here tonight would come into agreement with God you're almost to the sunrise
somebody's about to get what I'm preaching in here. I wish somebody would shout amen. God is not finished yet. It's not over yet. You got to get an amen in your spirit. They laid me off, pastor. I can't pay my bills. Go ahead and say amen to that if you want to. But somebody in here knows what it's like. (laughs) When you've done all that you can do and you've trusted God. And they go ahead and lay you off anyway. But God is faithful. Listen, he he ain't going to stop being faithful today just because it happened to you. God is faithful. Boy, I'd like to hear a big amen right there. When we pray according to his word and his will. We know that God will answer. So that's why when we finish praying according to the will of God, we say, Amen. I've heard many songs in my lifetime that the end of the hymn would be a big long Amen. Anybody ever heard that? The truth be told, at least in Pentecost, we use Amen so frequently that we don't even think about it anymore. I've heard some preachers that while they're preaching, they they say amen enough to to make up for all of us. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) It's funny when they get going. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying. There's power in amen. It's not just a filler word. I don't just get up here and talk to you, amen, and tell you that God, amen, is going to do something, amen, in this house tonight, amen. We're glad, amen, that you're here, amen. So come on, somebody, amen, help me tonight, amen. Anybody ever heard it? Woo! (laughs) Most of the time we treat amen like it's a punctuation mark. We pray what we want to pray, and then we say, amen. Now, I've said amen to some kooky stuff in my life. I thank God my parents taught me how to pray. But I got to listening to, uh, it may have been Tim Hawkins or somebody the other day talking about how freaky childhood prayers were. I don't know if you guys prayed this one or not. Now I lay me down to sleep. Think about them next few lines. I pray the Lord, my soul, to keep. If I should die before I wake, our children are, are, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I believe every word of that. But if I'd have known what that meant at three years old, I wouldn't have prayed that so nice. When my mother and dad started getting me to try to pray that, I pray the Lord my soul. I said, look here, sucker, I'm going to live another day. Uh, I don't plan on dying. I'm getting up tomorrow and playing in the dirt. You hear me? We'll get through that prayer. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Amen. We pray it. But amen means a whole lot more than just okay at the end of what I'm praying. The more we look at the word amen, the more power we see in The agreement of the word. I don't know how many of you have ever noticed something that you may enjoy, but after a while, the more you hear it, it's kind of like, eh. 
A new song comes out and radio DJs think that's the only thing they can play. I got four women in my house, three of which play the same dumb songs every day. They play them in the shower. They play them when they're curling their hair. They play them when they're getting ready. Sometimes they'll tell you, I'd say, either pick another song or shut it off. I liked it the first three million times I heard it. You guys are padding the pocket on iTunes for these people because you have played that song on repeat for three months. And I wonder sometimes if amen's not the same way. We just, amen. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? Doing good. Amen. We walk off. Everybody doing all right? Are we saying amen because we know what it means? Or are we saying amen because it's the thing to say? Do you really know that when you say amen, you're coming into agreement with something? Do you know that we could, if we're not careful, come into agreement with some negative people? You can say amen. Oh, God have mercy. It's going to get tight for just a minute. Sometimes you can say amen because you're not saying anything at all. Sometimes you can say amen because you'll listen to it, but you won't partake in it. But I wonder what would happen if an amen would get in our spirit. That every time negativity starts trying to pull us down, that there would be an amen that would pull us out. Whenever somebody starts trying to tell us how dark and how bleak it is, I'm not going to say amen to the darkness, but I will say amen to the light that the darkness cannot comprehend. Y'all going to make me work on Sunday night. I feel it coming. The word amen in the English Bible is found 78 times. The first time we see it in the Old Testament is in the book of Numbers. And the last time we see it in the Bible is in Revelation 22 and 21. If you're wondering, that's the last verse of the last book of your Bible. Amen is the last word in your Bible. Amen is God's last word on His word. It means surely, truly, Firmly, so it is, so be it, may it be fulfilled. I like the fact that there's an amen at the end of the scripture because that means everything he said from the beginning to the end, I can say amen to it. When I tell you tonight that he's a healer, I can say amen because I've got a testimony of his healing power. I want us to move just a little bit deeper. When I say amen, I'm saying, God, I agree. So I got to be careful that I'm not just throwing an amen. Anytime I want to say something that's a filler word, if you believe that, say amen. There are times that we need to keep our amen in reserve. Woo. Boy, that got quiet. If I can't say amen 
to what somebody's preaching in the pulpit, then all they're doing is just making noise. What are you saying, Pastor? Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to go ahead and preach on Sunday night. I'm not going to say amen to everything and everybody in a pulpit. If somebody's telling me there's another way than coming in through the way, the truth, and the life, I'm going to reserve my amen for somebody that's going to preach me the truth. I'm not going to say amen to somebody that tells me to confess with my mouth and believe with my heart. But I think I could say amen to somebody like Peter. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I can get behind that and I can say amen. I believe that in this day and time, and I, I, I got to be real careful how I approach this, but we got to be very careful. We used to have a saying when I was a kid that said, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. But just being honest with you, the older I get, I see things that try to look Pentecostal and walk Pentecostal. But it's not Pentecostal. I'm not going to say amen to something that's trying to get as close to the world as they can get. Listen, we're asking questions backwards. The question should not be, can I do that and still go to heaven? The question should not be, so if I do that, then you're saying I'm going to hell. That's a wrong way to ask the question. The question is not, how close can I get to the world and still be saved? The question should be, what do I have to do to get closer to him? Whatever I've got to neglect, whatever I've got to forsake, I want to get close to him and say amen. I'm not going to say amen to everything. I'm not going to say amen to false doctrine. Come on, somebody. Somebody should have took a nap this afternoon. Let the church say. I'm not going to say amen. Can I just get them a soapbox a little bit? I'm not going to say amen to ripped jeans, v-neck t-shirts, and stools on the platform. Not going to do it. I'm not going to say amen to casual Christianity. I'm not going to say amen to chilled out Christianity. I'm not going to say amen to chilled out prayer. I'm not going to say amen to chilled out worship. There's no such thing as chilled out worship. When I realize what he's done for me, when I realize the price he paid on Calvary, I'm not going to chill out and reserve my praise. I'm not going to say amen to turning apostolic churches into nightclubs. You know what I don't understand? Is why if you want a nightclub, you don't just go to the nightclub. Woo. I was talking with a pastor this week who was dealing with some discouragement. And he called and we, we were talking about discouragement. Things that people were saying, right? People saying silly stuff. And... He was sharing with me that the other night, while he was preaching, he was talking about how fake the world is, you know. 
and made the statement about Instagram and social media, how you can filter everything. And he said, you know, it creates some surprises that a girl that you've fallen in love with the false image of who she is, and he was just making the statement that, you know, she, she may be a couple hundred pounds bigger than what you thought because it was a filtered world and it was fake and fraud and then you get there and find out everything that was painted and covered up and hidden and all, it wasn't the real world. It, it, it wasn't the real world because they're portraying something that's not right and, and, and the, everything's filtered. You realize those were not real eyelashes. That was like, that's a filter. Y'all seen that filter it makes everybody cry? I think that's the funniest thing that's ever happened. And they walk in, how you doing today? I'm great. It's fantastic. And I thought, I've preached to those people. That pastor was so discouraged, he was preaching about getting real, let's be real. He said somebody that had left his church and gone, gone the way of new revelation, you know. He said they started calling around saying, if you want to talk about women like that, we're going to drive over there and kick your backside. And they didn't say it nicely like that, posting it on Facebook and all that. I said, bro, listen, let me tell you something. You don't have to believe that report. If they're so secure in what they've believed and what they're doing. And, let, and the Lord began to deal with me about a sermon I preached years ago. When Sanballat and Tobiah were coming to Nehemiah saying, get down off the wall, get down off the wall. And listen to the intimidation tactic. They're, they're, this is how stupid the devil is. This is how dumb Sanballat and Tobiah were. They were trying to get him to stop building, so they intimidated him. And they said, even if a fox were to run on the top of this thing, when these idiots finish this, if a fox runs on it, it'll fall to the ground. And I said, listen, if they're so concerned that even a fox will knock it down, why do you think they're trying so hard to get you to stop building? Because they know what they're saying is not true. They're trying to get you to stop building because they know that a fox or a tornado or nothing else in the world could stop it. Listen, if they want a new revelation, let them say amen to it. But I'm going to keep on building the wall. Well, what are we going to do about these people that, that leave and then they say they got new revelation? Let them go. Well, they're tearing us down. No, they want you to believe they can. Jesus said upon this, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you know you're in the church, not a church. If you know you're in the church then you don't have to worry about the gates of hell prevailing you are in the church of the living God and you can say amen to that amen. now when we get into first Chronicles 16 verse number 23 is a great place where we begin to see the power of agreement first Chronicles 16 23 we agree that all the earth should sing unto the Lord and that they should proclaim His salvation from day to day. We believe that. We believe that we should declare His glory among the nations and His wonders among the people. We believe that the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. 
We believe that he also is feared above all gods. Let the church say amen. amen. We also agree with David's words in verse number 31. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations that the Lord reigns. Go ahead. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. Then the trees. I love this. Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord. Because he cometh and judges the earth. Oh give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. And say, ye save us, O God, of our salvation. And gather us together and deliver us from the heathen. That we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever. And all the people said, and they praised the Lord. When the people said amen and the people agreed, there was a spirit of praise that got on those people and they began to glorify God. I don't know if you realize it or not, but when you say amen, that you agree with the word of God, you are releasing a spirit of praise. Now here's the power of agreement. I'm trying to hurry tonight. Here's the power of agreement. In short, we're saying, God, we agree that you are wonderful. We agree that you're a healer. We agree, God, that you are good even when I'm in a difficult season. Woo! Somebody shout, he's still wonderful. You know what's so powerful about that? He's wonderful when I'm not. He's faithful when I'm not. He's good when I'm not. I've walked away. He's never walked away. I've given up. He's never given up. I felt defeated. He's never felt defeated. He's still wonderful. But brothers and sisters, I want you to know that when I ask you to pray for me, I firmly believe that the people in this church have the power to move heaven and earth with your prayer. And when you start praying, I can say amen to what you've been saying. But you can't say amen to a prayer that hasn't been prayed. Woo. I'm telling you, y'all got me working. I'm either plowing deep or y'all are sleepy. I said, you can't say amen to a prayer that hadn't been prayed. I was telling somebody about Bishop Golder the other day. Oh, for the boldness of Golders in this hour. Bishop Golder was in his office. His family came in, man and woman. They came in. said, Bishop, we need you to counsel us about our marriage. Bishop Golder looked at him, looked at her, and he said, 
Have you prayed and asked God about this? She said, no, sir. He looked at the husband and said, have you prayed and asked God about this? He said, no, sir. He said, then get down that hallway and pray for an hour before you come back in here and talk to me. Pastor, do you have just a minute? That is the most rhetorical question in the world. There ain't never been a soul alive that says, Pastor, do you have a minute that means it? <laughs> I know better. When somebody says, hey, Pastor, you got a quick minute? Baby, put the kids in the car. Go ahead and order from the menu. Because it's going to be a while. I'm just being facetious, kind of. But it's funny how people do. Pastor, you got to make sure, sure what's going on. Well, I just want to tell you what they said. What they say? They said, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, God, I'm encouraged. I'm so encouraged. Well, what can we do? Well, pastor, just pray for me. Okay. My saying is this. If you notice, I'll pray with you. I ain't going to pray for you. Because you can't say amen to a prayer that hasn't been prayed. I'm fixing to walk on thin ice with hot shoes, and I know it, so that's all right. Good news is, I got the microphone, and I'll be here next week. Y'all got your seatbelts on? I'll tell you, there is a move in Pentecost right now that's moving everything to counseling and medicine. telling you the truth I've been to conference after conference after conference that all I hear is you got mental disorders and you need to go get counseling and medicine and I've been pastoring long enough to know there is a small percentage of that that's very correct and I'm not saying that to be fun I'm being serious but I, I, I want to ask you tonight and I'm, I'm not being facetious I'm being sincere what do you think people did in the old church before they could take 15 different cocktails of medicine? I know some people need it, but I've come to preach on this Sunday night that before some people take medicine, they need to just get an amen. I was in a meeting some time ago, and I, 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 I want to be very vague on details, but I was in this meeting, and there were some people on the night of that meeting that claimed deliverance, said they'd been, they'd been bound in their mind, but God touched them, and God delivered them, and God healed them, 
And the next morning we went to a, a session. And a, a therapist in that, in that session with all these people sitting in the room said, Now some of you people that claimed your deliverance last night, you need to put a good treatment plan with your deliverance. What are we saying? When we tell people what you felt was not God. What are we telling people when we get up and say God is a deliverer. And they get the boldness in their spirit in the Holy Ghost to say. I got delivered tonight for us to say. No you, 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 you're not really delivered. You, you haven't really been set free. You need to go talk to somebody that knows. I thank God for counselors. I thank God for therapists. I thank God for people that can help. But one of the greatest counselors and therapists in the apostolic movement made this statement the other day, and it blew my mind. I've been blessed to work with him on several occasions in several meetings, and this is what he said. He said, what people need to understand as a licensed therapist in counseling is that counseling don't work if you don't yoke it up with prayer. Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't get help? No. I'm saying you get all the help you need to get. But you be sure that you've got an amen in your spirit. Because I still believe that God is able to deliver to the uttermost. I'm preaching in this house. I'm going to preach if it makes every devil in this county mad. But I'm going to preach to you right now. If we believe that God can heal broken bones, then we got to believe that God can heal broken minds. I said if we believe God can heal a messed up heart in a body and heal them physically, then God can heal them mentally. If God can heal them of cancer sickness, God can heal a mental sickness. God have mercy. Some folks may crucify and hang me up for it, but I'm telling you right now, I believe the only thing standing between some folks and their deliverance is a powerful amen. I thought about some things the other day. Everybody doing all right? It's Sunday night. Anybody about to fall asleep? I'll come preach by you. When you get this shower coming out, you'll, you'll wake up. Got to talking the other day about some things. and I just want to tell you what I believe. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're missing some elements in North America of deliverance and power. I had some guys ask me all through the years, why is it, Brother St. Clair, when you guys go overseas, you see so much deliverance, so many miracles, and so much healing. But when you come back to the States, we don't see much of it. And, and I used to just say, well, it's because it's a different atmosphere, and you know, people haven't really been exposed. Until finally I got to praying one day, and the Holy Ghost started showing me some things. You don't have to agree, but you have a right to be wrong. I'm going to tell you what I saw in the Holy Ghost. As the Lord began to talk to me. He, I said, Lord, why aren't we seeing true deliverance from things like that? He said, because I, I'm not just, you're not just praying for deliverance from the issue now. He said, you got to get deliverance through the layers of medicines. 
and the way that it has chemically imbalanced the body. And he started showing me some things. How is it that medicine works? And we believe this with everything. If you think I'm preaching against medicine, you've lost your mind. Because I'm telling you right now, if I break my leg, they better give me something strong. You hear what I'm saying? But this is the part I want you to understand. If my leg is broke, medicine don't fix me. If I've got a leg that's been snapped in two at the femur, if they gave me half of one pill, it'd knock me out. But after a while, I'm going to start throbbing again. Because all the medicine did was tell the nerve that's sending the signal, don't send the signal right now. If I go into surgery, they better put me up on something pretty quick. Because I want it. But the surgery is going to fix the problem. And you're looking at a man tonight who still believes in Holy Ghost surgery. I've seen God do it time after time, Brother Wendell Evans. I've seen God heal people time after time. And just because I prayed for one person and they didn't get healed, I'm not going to stop praying for the next person. Be I need the church to say amen. I still believe he's a healer. I still believe he's a deliverer. I still believe he can. And I refuse to let the pressures of this world make us lay down and say that God's not able anymore. Can I preach to you Bible tonight? Jesus came to a well. And there was a woman at the well. I'm going to just jump out on a limb and say it's not a very big risk for me to even say this. She was a pretty promiscuous lady. He said, you've been with five men. And the husband you're with right now is not yours. He said, you're committing adultery right now. You are in the act right now. And he sits down on that well with her. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not. But in the original text, he sits down with her and he says, Now listen, you've had marriage trouble for a long time. So I know you're a Samaritan, but I'm going to send you into Jerusalem. There's a really good counselor there. Y'all didn't, you don't know how to read Hebrew? He didn't say, woman, it's obvious you got issues. So sit down right here. I'm going to pull out my quill. I'm going to get this little piece of parchment. And I want you to run to the closest pharmacy you can and figure out why you can't have relationships with people. Anybody want to jump out there and really talk about what he said? He said, woman, you need a drink. Because you're drinking from wells that cannot satisfy you. But you need a drink. And he said, if you'll take a drink from this well, you will never thirst again. I feel like telling somebody tonight, whether you know it or not, the well has not ran dry. He's still able to save and heal to the uttermost. Can I get an amen? 
Woo! I still believe tonight, Romans 8 and 28. All things. All things. I could preach that verse every week and never get sick of it. All things. Not just the good things. Not just some things, but not just the things that make us feel good, but that's why I can say amen during the storm. That's why I can say amen when I can't see my way through. That's why I can say amen when my body's in pain. Let the church say amen. When you're done praying for me, don't forget to say amen. Because when God's people say amen, we agree that God can. How many of you in here agree that God is wonderful? On the good days and the bad days, is God wonderful? On the sunny days and the storms, is God wonderful? On the days you can't see your way through, is God wonderful? On the days that you've cried all day long and you can't find relief, is God wonderful? Our amen is important because we're saying, God, we agree. Sometimes I may be confused, but I still agree. I may be broken, but I still agree. I may not have an answer yet, but I still agree. I can't say amen if I don't understand God. And you're going to go through a lot of seasons without an amen. Somebody shout all things. things. See, man, this is such good preaching right here. I don't have to say anything. You just read the word, all things. God, I don't know why you did that. It's going to take you a while to build trust with me again. Listen, there's times I need to withhold my amen. But those times are never with him. It's one thing to withhold your amen from a man or a woman. It's another thing to withhold your amen from God. I'm telling you, when I have prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and it felt like the answer never came, I refused to go to bed at night without an amen in my spirit. When I've asked God to heal and God didn't heal. When I've asked God to raise him out of the hospital bed, but God didn't raise him out of the hospital bed. When I've asked God to turn it around, but God didn't turn it around. I feel like Job, when he got an amen in his spirit, his amen looked a little different, but it said something like this. Naked I came into this world And naked I'm going to go He said the Lord gives And the Lord takes away But blessed be the name of the Lord Job didn't ask for understanding He just put his trust in God And he said amen The first way that I say amen Is to come into agreement with God But scripturally in context, secondly, the context of a man is when the children of Israel said, God, we accept your command. When God gave them commands and they said, amen, they weren't just saying we agree with it. They were saying, we accept it. This is a whole different dimension to amen. Because amen wasn't just about agreement. Oh, Lord, I'm preaching right now. Amen was about accepting what I didn't agree with. 
Well, I tell you what, if God would have known what he was doing, that wouldn't have happened to so-and-so. You ever hear people say that? If God's real, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I can tell you, God didn't have nothing to do with it. That was a people problem. Did I lose y'all right there? Why'd God let that happen? I don't know. Why'd God let a tree fall, a limb fall off of a tree? Why'd God let lightning strike a building? Because it's life. It's storms. It's things that happen. And we're withholding our amen from God because of something that man did to us. But when we do that, we don't realize we're giving our amen to the man and withholding our amen from God. God is not surprised by what you've been through. He knows what you've been through. Come on, somebody. He sees every tear you've cried. He knows every pillow you've soaked. Come on, let's get real up in this place right now. Some of you bounced up in here tonight with big smiles on your face, but you weren't smiling last night. You laid in bed broken and confused. But you know what? The devil hates your guts. Why, why would you say that, Pastor? The devil hates your guts because last night you were confused and you laid in bed broken and you laid in bed with questions. But tonight you came on Sunday night with an amen in your spirit. Anybody in here tonight that knows his ways are perfect? That sounded so good. Let me try that again. Is there anybody in here that knows his ways are perfect? Amen. God, if I don't learn to say amen to you, what I'm saying is I'll take care of this. I wish somebody would get what I'm preaching to you right now. I'm almost done. When we refuse to give God an amen... What we're saying is, I don't need your help. I'll take care of this. Because I don't want to accept what I know I'm going to have to go through. Do you know how difficult it was for some people in the wilderness? You can see it all through the scripture in the 40-year experience. They were refusing to say amen to God because they didn't like the wilderness. Well, what do you mean they were refusing the amen? I'm saying that as soon as they got their back against the wall... They came across the Red Sea, and three days later, they came to bitter waters. They stopped saying amen and said, let's go back. So when they withheld their amen from God, Brother Gil, they were saying amen to Egypt. Notice the language. Let's go back to the leek, the onion, the garlic, the fish. Amen to what the world had. If you're withholding your amen from God... You're saying amen to something. I know the song we sing says, my hallelujah belongs to you. But I wish somebody tonight just change the word and say, Lord, my amen is reserved for you. I'm not going to say amen to anything else. I'm not going to say amen to any other report. I'm not going to say amen to any other spirit. But I will say amen, yes, to your will. 
yes to your way. If your will means some loss, yes. If your will means going through a storm, yes. I'll ride on the boat with you, yes. My amen says there's 5,000 men plus their wives and kids, but there's five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do? My amen says I'm going to sit right here until God shows up. I'm going to do what only I can do and let God do what only he can do. I wish somebody would lift your hands and just say that with me right now. I'm not losing you, but I, I want somebody to help me do that right now. God, I'm going to do what only I can do so that you can do what only you can do. Oh, God. God may call you to some things that don't fit your schedule. God may call you to some things that don't fit your agenda. God may call you to some things that don't fit your idea of what should be done and how it should be done. And we don't understand it at all. Sometimes God's directions are hard to follow. But we know that His ways are always right. And when I say amen to what I cannot understand, I'm saying, Lord, I will obey. I don't know tonight if you can get a good picture from this or not. How many of y'all use your GPS? I think it's pretty much most of us. I wish they'd had GPS when my sister got her license. Brother McLean, she went to a McDonald's drive-thru one night, went around the building. When she came out, she didn't know which way to turn because she got turned around the parking lot. But there's a thing I do. I've never learned my lesson. It's aggravating. But I travel a lot. Brother Tony, I'll get my GPS on, and I'll decide. I'll leave it on the destination, and I'll decide I'm going to get off on this exit to get gas. And when I get off on the exit... My GPS is saying, go straight, go straight. And I got my turn signal on. So I turn right. In one quarter of a mile, do a U-turn. I'm not going to do a U-turn, dummy. I'm here for gas. Right? I'm drawing you a picture because the Holy Ghost is trying to get us to a destination. The Holy Ghost is saying, go right. And we're going, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. The Holy Ghost is saying, don't stop, don't stop. Lord, I think I'll just kick back right here and relax for a little while. It's the confusion that it makes in your car. Sometimes my wife will say, ooh, would you just shut that thing up? Turn right in one quarter of a mile. Do a U-turn. The Holy Ghost is saying, Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. We're saying, no, I like it over here. I think I'll just stay over here. I don't have to have conviction. I don't have to say amen to that. That's not what I like. 
I want to do what pleases me. The Holy Ghost is pulling. Come on. Come this direction. No, I think I'll go that direction. Do you understand the chaos that that's creating in your life when one voice is saying, come this way, and you know the voice is clear? The voice is saying, repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the other voice is saying, no, I'm going to do what I think I ought to be. Listen, I'm going to do what the Lord said to do. I'm going to walk in the Word and that I can say amen to. Let's stand tonight. The English word amen is found 51 times in the New Testament. But in the original language, God used the word amen. 101 times in the New Testament alone. Have you ever read the word in the scripture when the Lord says, verily, verily, or he'll say, verily, I say unto you? You ever read that? Do you know what the Greek word for verily is? Amen. Because when God says amen, he's trying to get our attention. When God says, verily, I say unto you, we better say amen to his amen. I would hate to stand before God on judgment day and the Lord start revealing to me how many times he put his word in front of me and I would read the word and I would hear the word but I wouldn't do the word. I feel like somebody in this place tonight needs to get a grip on what God's trying to speak to you. Listen, don't be distracted right now. The Holy Ghost is trying to move with somebody in here. Everybody just kind of hang tight with me right now. If y'all don't mind, just play something real soft. There's a lot of confusion going on in the room right now, and I don't, I don't believe it's the will of God. Listen to me. The Spirit of God has been drawing you. The Word of God has been leading you. And it's time tonight that you say, Amen. You've seen things in the Word that you've never seen before. You've heard from God things that you never dreamed you would hear before. God has led you in different ways through people you never dreamed that God could lead you through. And tonight, the Lord has sent me on this Sunday night. I have no clue why the Lord sent me until right now, but I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I know tonight the Lord sent me here to draw an amen out of somebody. You've been wrestling with God. You've been fighting with God. But tonight, God has sent me here to tell you that he's looking for an amen. He's looking for somebody that will just say yes. Yes. In your heart, you know it's the will of God. Even though you've wrestled with it down deep in your soul, you know it's the will of God. Tonight, God is reaching for you one more time. Looking for somebody that will just say, Amen. Amen. God, I don't understand everything about you, but yes. So be it. Fulfill your word in my life. Fulfill your will in my life, God. Yes. Yes. Come on, somebody say yes to him. Somebody say yes to him tonight. Somebody say yes. Uh, 
all the people bowed their faces to the ground and said amen Lord tonight I stand on your word I'll gladly forsake the the voice of tradition that's called me God I'll forsake what I've got to forsake to say amen 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 God I'll forsake what my grandmother said if it wasn't in alignment with your word to say amen to your word could you imagine that God brings a great apostle before a grip of the king to testify to him the goodness of the Lord and King Agrippa looks at him and said wow what you said was so good you almost made me say amen but tonight although I'm not God I have to believe that from what we understand in the scripture that when Agrippa took his last breath he didn't make it because he didn't say amen to the voice that God sent he refused the voice because the voice was in chains. He refused the voice because the voice was on trial. He said, wow, that testimony was powerful. You almost convinced me to be a Christian. You almost persuaded me. But you weren't convincing enough for me to say amen. Let me ask you a question tonight. Would you rather stand in the shoes of Paul on Judgment Day or Agrippa? Would you rather stand in the shoes of the prisoner or the one who was almost converted? I'd rather stand in the shoes of somebody that said amen 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 yes to your will yes to your word yes to your way yes to the word of God yes come on find me one place in the Bible where they were baptized any other way than in Jesus name and then say amen Find me one place where somebody claimed salvation in the New Testament that they didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and then say amen. 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 I don't think it's all necessary, Brother St. Clair, but you better say amen because it's in the Word of God. Come on, if you got an amen in your spirit, just lift your hands to the Lord. Amen.